I'm Ed Adams, and this is the Weekly Genealogy Toolkit, the podcast that helps new genealogists get the most out of their research time and avoid the most common pitfalls. I hope that my love for family history and for helping others with their own family history comes through in these episodes. It really is something that adds value to my life, and I want to share that with others. But genealogy isn't the only thing that I love. Just like all of you, I'm a real person with a pretty full life. In fact, like most people, there are more things that I enjoy doing than there's time to be able to enjoy, something that I regularly wish wasn't so. I also love fishing. This isn't a fishing podcast, though, so I'll refrain from going in a long tangent about why I love fishing. But just take my word for it. I love to fish. And at times, fishing has a lot in common with genealogy research. If you've ever headed out on the lake with dreams of the big catch, then you know that sometimes the fish are biting and sometimes they just aren't. Sometimes when you put in the name of that ancestor that you want to learn more about in the search bar and click search, nothing useful comes up. Sometimes it seems like all you have to do is put in a name and a location and then you're reeling in sources like crazy. With fish, there seems to be a million variables that determines whether or not they want to bite your hook. Time of day, time of year, your bait, your line, the weather, the, the color of shirt that you're wearing that day. It can be ridiculous sometimes. There's also a lot of variables that can determine whether your search returns anything useful. What is your target individual's gender, ethnicity, religion, or nationality? What was their socioeconomic status? Where and when did they live? How common is their name? Was there a name change somewhere along the line? I could probably go on longer about your genealogical search than I could for fish on this one. It's an endless list. When I'm out fishing, sometimes I'll throw my lure out to a random location in the pond and bam, I get a bite after bite, looking in the same spot. Sometimes I just get to practice my technique. After a while of fishing in the same spot, though, if I haven't gotten any bites, then I'll switch up my tactics. Maybe I'll move down the bank and work a spot with a little more vegetation if I think the fish are bedding down. Or maybe I'll change my lure for a heavier one if I think they've gone deep. But what do you do when you hop on Ancestry and click search, but nothing useful shows up? Sure, you could move on down the bank and search on familysearch.org. All the website search algorithms work slightly differently, and sometimes just fishing somewhere else will work. But what about when that turns up nothing useful as well? Well, the answer is really there's dozens of things that you can do when that happens, just like with fishing. If it's winter and the fish are lethargic, then you can slow way down and just nudge that lure along the bottom. If it's cloudy, perhaps you need a spinnerbait to get their attention. I could go on, but I've got to remind myself this isn't a fishing podcast. Amateurs like me just go out and see what works and what doesn't. But the pros go out with a plan. In genealogy, the pros go out with a plan as well. And that can make all the difference. I'd like you to give some serious consideration to giving a go at developing a research plan. But, and and I might be summoning the wrath of the professional genealogy gods here by saying this, don't think that you absolutely have to have a research plan for every time you want to do some genealogy. If your goal is to become a professional, then yes, practice developing a plan and do it for every project you're working on. It's the only way to get good at it. Proper planning 
is probably the biggest difference between the professionals and the hobbyist, although the best hobbyists also make plans. But for most, genealogy is for fun or for personal satisfaction, and that's absolutely fine. I'm not a professional fisherman. I probably will never enter a tournament. I just like to fish. Many times I can head out on the lake with no plan whatsoever, other than to be quiet, relax, and meditate. If I catch a fish, great. If not, that's okay too. But sometimes I really want to catch a fish. When that's the case, I do develop a plan when and where I'm going to fish, what lure I'm going to use, and what sort of technique I'm going to employ to get those suckers to bite. So the same is true in genealogy. Sometimes I've got 20 minutes to kill and I just want to mentally freewheel for a little bit and go to my happy place. Sure, I'll hop on a website and just kind of poke around. If I find something awesome, but if not, I've accomplished what I really set out for. But I'm also not operating under the delusion that I'm going to make any serious headway on my family history that way. When I have a question that I really want to answer, I need to get off the websites and bust out the spreadsheet. So what's a research plan and how do you develop one? Well, every research plan starts with a well-scoped research question. What is it you're trying to learn? I say well-scoped because saying who was John Smith is a question, but there's not near enough detail to answer it. How will you know if you've gotten to your destination? A. What John Smith are you talking about? There's been a few of them. Second, how do you answer who as a question? Like, are we saying that we want to get existential and tackle how John Smith conceived the meaning of his own life? A a better question is, when was John Smith, of Cumberland County, North Carolina, husband of Rebecca Snyder and father of Samuel Smith, born? Now we know which John Smith we're talking about, and we know exactly what we have to answer. You'll know when you've gotten to your destination. Once you have a good question, it's time to review what you already know about your subject and revisit how you know those things. This brings us back to episode one. Start with what you know. Make sure that all your knowledge of John Smith is fresh in your mind and written out on your research plan. That becomes home base and gives you a sense of where to start looking first. It also allows you to catch any mistakes or unproven assumptions that you need to deal with. You don't want to be three hours into researching, only to find that your entire plan of research has been based off of a mistaken analysis of a previously identified source. As part of this step, I think it's helpful to form a hypothesis, perhaps not exact, but a a window. If I know that John Smith's mother died in 1918, then, well, then I know he had to be born before that. If his parents got married in 1915, then I know he was most likely born sometime between 1915 and 1918. Now I've got a target that's starting to come into focus. The next step is to make a list of all the possible types of sources that might have the information that you're looking for. In the previous example, you're trying to find out when this John Smith guy was born. Well, obviously the first potential source that you're going to want to write down is birth certificate, right? Sure, but what other records might have his birth date on it? A census record can get you in the ballpark, but draft registrations or other military records or marriage records can also sometimes have exact birth dates. Even an obituary might have the birth date, although you'll have to consider who wrote the obituary and how they knew what they knew before you take something like that as a fact. 
As you're just getting started in genealogy, this step can be really hard. You don't have the exposure yet to the full gamut of potential sources to have a good idea of what you're going to find where. That's okay. Build a research plan anyway based off of what you do know about the sources you do have experience with. Never looked into military records? That's okay. But you can probably imagine that they might have a birth date on them, right? This can be a good way to start branching out away from your security blanket sources into other areas that will really start to round you out as a researcher. Once you've done that, look into each of those items that you listed and ask yourself where you might be able to find them, if at all. Based on the time period, location, or individual subject, you may not be able to get your hands on each of those sources. In some cases, these sources never existed. For example, our John Smith, who lived in Cumberland County, North Carolina, wouldn't have had a birth certificate if he was born before 1913 and might not have had one unless he was born after 1920 when compliance with the birth registration became common throughout the state. A great resource for finding what was available when and where can be accessed at the Family Search Research Wiki. Links in the description. There you can navigate to your county of interest and look at all the different kinds of sources maintained for that location. I really love the wiki and it's one of my most commonly visited websites when I'm researching. Don't do the research quite yet though. Once you've figured out how many of your target sources are even available and if available where they can be found, separate them into two lists. One for those sources located in online databases and one for those sources that have to be accessed in person. Now you basically have a research to-do list. There are a lot of great ways to actually record your research plan, but I won't spend any time on that today. You can just open a blank Word document and write out the things that I've just talked about, and that's your research plan. A simple Google search will return lots of different formats for more formal plans. Some people like to use online tools like Evernote and stuff like that, but all that can come in time. First, get comfortable just putting together the plan. Once you get that far, you'll probably find that one of the templates or online tools is more to your liking. So now that you've got your research plan, your genealogy to-do list, it's time to start checking off those to-do items. This lets you focus on your objective and not waste any time looking in places that won't have your answer anyway. Like fishing, genealogy can swallow hours and hours of our time. Sometimes that's the point. But if we're going to dedicate that kind of time to something, wouldn't it be nice to have something to show for it? I hope this has given you confidence to tackle research planning. It sounds harder than it actually is, but it's a great tool. If something I've said today has helped you, consider following the podcast. If you have feedback, please leave a review or reach out to me at the WGT pod on Twitter. In the meantime, if you really want to catch those fish, take a few moments to figure out your plan. Thanks for listening and see you next time.